everybody and welcome to episode seven of our podcast, Huga in the Early Years. My name's Kimberly, and I'm founder of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early years teaching, training and support. Now, this week, I thought we would have a look at stress, because the 1st of April marks the start of Stress Awareness Month, and stress is something that we all experience at some point in our lives. And so it's really important that we recognise the signs of stress. We can see it when it's happening to those around us, maybe in our family, our friends, or those that we work with. And we can have some strategies to hand that we can use when we're experiencing this. So sit back, grab a cup of tea, and let's start. So I don't know about you, but I didn't realise that we could have good stress and bad stress. And I only came across it, I think this time last year, the fact that not all stress is bad. You know, we talk about stress and we talk about it in a very negative way, but actually it's important that we recognise that there is a good stress too. A stress that helps you be motivated, a stress that helps you achieve your goals, and in turn can actually lead to increased happiness. So for me, a type of good stress that I might experience is something that's actually just happened this morning. So I knew in my head that I needed to make a really important phone call this morning. I needed to speak to somebody that I really look up to, I really admire, and I needed to talk to them about a collaboration we were going to be doing together. But I'd got myself feeling so nervous about it. Gosh, I could feel like thoughts whizzing around my head and I think my hands were visibly shaking when I dialed the number into my phone and that stress was only a very short period of stress it only lasted for a few hours leading up to the event but actually once I'd, I was on the phone speaking to this person it went really well and it actually um, made me respond in a really successful way for the 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 challenge and for the thing that I'd set myself up that I had to do. So in that scenario, the stress could be turned into a good outcome. But not all stress is like this. Some stress can go on for days and days, weeks and weeks, months and months. And it's that prolonged stress that leaves us feeling upset, burnt out and overloaded that has a negative impact on our health and our well-being. And, you know, in our fast-paced modern world that we've got at the moment, we all have so many different responsibilities, so many different parts of our life that we're juggling around. And so it's important that we learn how to look after ourselves properly so we don't fall into being prone to the effects of stress. So let's begin by thinking about what stress looks like, how it presents itself in us. Um, I know that when I went through a time in my life, um, you know, if you've followed me for a little while now, you'll know that I've spoken about my time working as a leader in a very challenging school. And for part of that time, I experienced a high level of stress that went on um, probably for about six to eight months actually in time and during that time my head felt very tight it felt like I had a band going round it 
my heart felt like it was often beating very quickly. My mouth felt dry. And I just had all of these thoughts whizzing around my brain in so many different directions and I couldn't catch them. Um, I struggled to sleep on a night. I didn't end up eating very well. And I just found myself in a really vicious cycle. And that's what can happen to us when we're experiencing stress. It might be that you're feeling really irritable, perhaps you're finding it tricky making decisions, and I don't just mean the kind of decisions about what kind of biscuit you should choose, but those kind of decisions that normally you could make quite easily. It might be that you're finding that you're snapping at people, that you're actually wanting more sleep, so your sleeping patterns have completely changed and you are really needing a nap perhaps mid-afternoon so stress can present itself in many different ways and i think in previous years gone by there was such a stigma as well that was associated with stress and people didn't really talk about the topic openly and freely with friends family and colleagues and we have to really try and break down those barriers and make stress part of our conversation that we have and really prioritize looking after ourselves and looking after others because as you'll have heard me say a million times now we can't do our job well as an early educator or a leader if we're not looking after ourselves because what do we have left to give well, we don't do we we don't have anything because we're just we're just dry we're running on empty and Again, you've probably seen this picture a million times before of the um, fuel dial in your car running on empty. And would you do that to your car? Would you expect your car to go with very little petrol in it? Well, no, you wouldn't. So why do we do that so often to ourselves? Why do we expect people to do it um, to others as well? You know, I've spoken before about how I've worked for a very... Um, well, I know it's a terrible, yeah, terrible, very terrible leader that put so much stress and strain on their team. And they knew that they were causing their team to run an empty, but they didn't care. Why would we do that as leaders? How does that benefit anybody? So let's look now at some strategies that we can put into place. Firstly, for ourselves, and then things that we might want to try with our children so that we can limit the amount of strain and stress that's put onto their lives too. So, yeah, there's some research that tells us that when we are physical, this really helps to improve on our happiness. So I want you to think to yourself, what do you do daily that promotes your physical activity? And other ways that you can put this and apply it into your daily routine more? So maybe you catch the bus a very short distance to work, maybe it's um, a couple of miles to work. Instead of always catching the bus, could you instead walk or do one of your journeys so that you're walking and catch the bus home? If you're doing a long journey or a longer journey to work, again, you might be on the bus. Could you get off the bus a few stops early and walk the rest of the space to your office um, or school? If you're um, driving in the car, 
maybe park your car around the corner and walk that little bit extra to get into your school. So there are different ways that we can try and build more physical exercise into our daily routine. And I think that's really important to think about. Now, I don't know if you know this, but on the 3rd of April, we've got the National Walking Day in England. So it's a great reminder of the benefits of just getting outside, getting into nature and yeah, getting your heartbeat racing, pumping the blood around your body and the physical benefits that has on our health. Now I'm fascinated in forest bathing, which originated in Japan in the 1980s. And it simply means that you're just immersing yourself in a forest setting. It's a really lovely, calm and natural way just to relax your senses and reconnect you as well with the calmness of the world. Because often we're all rushing around that we don't often find moments of peace. So one way that you might want to try and disconnect from the busy social world that you live in is to try some forest bathing and it's so easy all you need to do and you can do this either alone you might want to do it with um, a group of people you might even want to try this as one of your staff meeting times this month but um, find yourself a lovely woodland area try and find a space where there's a clearing between the trees and if you are going as a group, you might want to form a circle. And what the Japanese like to do is they like to remove the shoes and then they can really feel that bare feet feeling of touching the earth. And the Japanese believe that by doing that, it helps the brain um, reduce pain and inflammation in the body. As they're stood in the circle, they like to close their eyes and just take a really big deep breath in and then open their eyes again and then next they like to have a go at doing a few different um, yoga movements or yoga type movements so making themselves really tall like the trees or making themselves really flat like a leaf that's fallen from a tree and landed on the ground lots of bending and lots of stretching lots of standing up and reaching for the sky and during that time, thinking about what nature gives to us and then what we give back to nature as well. And this is a really good exercise just to start with. You might even want to do it with your children as well. And then when, once you've done that for maybe five to ten minutes, you're then encouraged in silence to find a tree that you just want to be close to and be next to. And with your body, make a connection with that tree. It might be that you're touching the squishiness of the moss that's on the bark. It could be that you're feeling with your fingertips all of the lumps and bumps of the tree, the roughness of it. And during that time, you just immerse yourself in the nature. You might decide to lay down next to the tree with your eyes open, looking up at the sky, noticing the way that the uh, branches move in the wind, listening to the way the birds are tweeting away. You might be feeling as though there's a tiny little bug sort of just scurrying over your arm. And it's just giving yourself that peace, that time to switch off. And during that time, we don't take our mobile phones with us. We leave those in the car or back at home and we don't take a camera. This isn't a time where we're snapping away trying to capture the moment through photographs. 
It's a moment of peace and calmness. And I think that this is so important to do and have in today's world. You know, some recent research has told us that we've actually got a generation of people that spend nearly all of their time indoors. In fact, a recent survey, survey of Americans um, that was studied as part of the Environmental Protection Agency's research showed that 93% of the time of a, the average American was spent indoors. 93%. And we, we often live in big cities as well. In fact, by 2050, 66% of the world's population is projected to live in a busy city. So we have to make that change and we have to reconnect with nature because it is having you know, proven benefits on our emotional well-being and lowering stress levels too. And the thing that I really love about something like forest bathing is that it really doesn't matter what your level of fitness is. I'm not saying that you have to go on a really challenging hike or that you need to go for a jog around the forest. You can simply walk around at your own pace, taking everything in. And so it doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 99 years old there's a way that you can access it and you can feel it and it's also free you don't have to you don't have to spend your money to do this and have the perceived health benefits that this um, approach offers you so it's available to absolutely everybody so I love it and it's definitely something that I'm going to make more time to do I love going for walks um, I live in a city, so my walks often tend to be a, a walk around the block um, or a walk to the shop instead of getting in my car. But I'm going to make a conscious effort to find the local park and go for a walk around the woodland area there so that I am immersing myself in nature. So what can we do for children? How can we support them? Well, I love the fact that we can get children curious about nature and develop all of that wonder and curiosity that nature offers to us. So often um, I would take my young children into our local woodland area and the first few times we went, the children didn't really know what to do. They weren't used to it. So they'd almost appear as though they were bored. Um, so to begin with, we do things like making journey sticks, where we'd find a stick and we'd take some rubber bands with us. And as we progressed on our walk, the children were encouraged to pick things up that fall into the ground and attach it to their journey stick by using the, the rubber bands that we'd got. And that was a really lovely reminder of our walk when we got back to our nursery. We could all look at our journey sticks and compare them and talk about our findings. We also used our journey stick in another way as well. So I got some little bells just from my local craft shop. I attached them onto the sticks that we had and as we travelled through the woodland area we explored the sounds that our sticks made as we tapped them against the different trees in the woodland area. So that was really nice and again it just ignited a different sense. You might adapt this kind of journey stick activity and you might decide to use a lump of clay. 
So I tried this um, a couple of years ago now for the first time. I gave my three-year-old a lump of clay and I said, right, we're going to go for a walk now. And if you see something really interesting or something that you like, I want you just to pick it up and attach it to your clay. And then by the end of our walk, we had the most wonderful clay sculptures that had been created. And it helped children to think, I like that, and notice the little things around them. It encouraged them to be more in the moment. So that was something that worked really well. I have also spent quite a lot of time investing in my own knowledge about nature and supporting that of my team as well. So we were really lucky we can use resources from like the Nature Detectives website, um, loads of great books on like nature's, um, oh, what's it called? Nature's um, anatomy, nature's anatomy, um, which can help us learn how to identify the different trees and the different leaves and birds. Uh, and I think it really does help investing in our knowledge as, as adults so that we can help support children and have discussions with them and help them notice what's around. Um, it might be that you go for a walk this month and you do some bird spotting while you're out there. Um, perhaps you will go leaf identifying. Um, another lovely thing that you might want to do is just listen for the sounds of spring. You know, what kind of sounds can we hear that tell us that spring's on its way, that nicer weather is coming to us? We might want to take some inspiration from people that um, are really great to follow on Instagram, like um, Early Years Outdoors and EYFS Outdoors, that enjoy sharing how they've made giant nature letters and numbers using things that they found, like the dandelions and the leaves and the branches. Perhaps you'll decide to go stick collecting and you might use those sticks to help make a mini beast hotel back in your nursery outdoor area. Um, another idea that I like that I almost forgot to tell you about is making a nature bracelet. And this is so simple. We can do this with very little budget. So we can grab a piece of card. Um, I usually just um, cut it into a strip staple it around the child's wrist and then I attach a piece of double um, sticky back plastic like double backed and so what we can do then as we're walking through the woods is things that we find we can attach them directly onto our bracelets and these are so beautiful such a lovely reminder of our story through the woods and then I've used these bracelets to help develop our language and our vocabulary and when we've got back into nursery, I say to the children, tell me about your walk. What did you notice? What did you see? Um, I like to act as a scribe for this. So I'm writing down everything the child's telling me. And sometimes children will go off and make up their own imaginative stories. So they'll be saying, oh, wow, we were walking through the woods and then we saw a bear and the bear was collecting some strawberries. So when children are telling me things like that, I'm recording it down. And it's great for all our literacy and communication and language evidence too. So yeah, I love doing that. I also love just taking children into the woodland area and doing some forest bathing. For those of you that are taking part in the Who Going Early Years accreditation, you'll see that on one of our modules, 
we've got a photograph of the children immersed in nature, just laying down on their backs in the middle of the woods, just being peaceful. And um, I think that that's just a great way to get children learning how to be still and how to relax their bodies as well. And how to be quiet, because that's a very tricky thing for a three-year-old to do. So there are a few ideas for things that you could try and implement with your children to try and get them feeling calmer and more inspired by nature as well to reduce stress levels. When we go back to ourselves and the team that we're working with, Charity Mind, who do some fabulous work, suggest that you have a stress awareness space perhaps in your workplace. So maybe if you've got a shared area like a staff room, you might decide to have a little space in there where you have some books around stress. Maybe you have um, some post-it notes where people have identified what they've done to reduce stress um, as part of their daily routine, things that have worked for them. Maybe you could have some lovely flowers on there to remind us to connect with nature. So have a little think about how you might have a stress awareness space in your workplace. Maybe if you've got an entrance hall for parents, you might make them aware that it's Stress Awareness Month and provide some leaflets and places to go for further support to support um, their own stress and anxiety levels. If you're holding a staff meeting this month, why not do it stood up? Why not have a walking staff meeting or do something outside in nature? Try something a little bit different, go for a walk or maybe plant some seeds or some beans as part of that and have this in your staff room and remind each other that you need to look after your beans and your seeds each day uh, by watering them you know giving them enough sunlight and that's also a reminder for ourselves that we need to look after ourselves and give ourselves that self-care so that we can grow and flourish too so yeah, few ideas there. I'd love to know what you try. Do get in touch. Um, I also want to say a huge thank you to all of you that have listened to the podcast um, each week. I love to see screenshots of you listening to it. Um, I like to see when you shared it with friends. And thank you ever so much for all of you that have given your honest reviews as well. I'd love, I'd love for more of you to do that if that's possible. Okay, well, I'm going to head off now, but um, I hope you all have a really lovely day. I'm just doing some preparation today for our Huga in Early Years online conference. So I'm just doing some uh, preparation for the workbooks that are going alongside each of our recorded conference sessions. So very busy, but I will be making time probably just after my lunch to go outside and experience some nature. Okay, well have a great day and I will catch you all soon.